Welcome to episode 17 of the Racquetball Show podcast. On this episode, I have on Mike Waddell, who is now executive director of USA Racquetball. So thank you to Mike for coming on. We get into a variety of topics, but basically it was just a conversation where I got the opportunity to ask what Mike plans on doing as USA Racquetball executive director, a position that he took on starting November 1st, I believe. But I came away from this interview very excited for the future of USA Racquetball. Um, I think this is a big transition and a big role, and hopefully Mike and the USA Racquetball crew are able to do some great things in sport because that's probably one of the biggest organizations, in my opinion, driving growth in, in racquetball in general. One thing that a friend noted to me recently is that a lot of these conversations, they come across a bit negative in the sense that we're asking we're talking about how to grow the sport so often rather than just celebrating the sport and I think this reflects the way a lot of conversations are in racquetball I noticed that just you know (laughs) podcast aside conversations at tournaments or conversations with friends in the sport tend to focus a lot around you know different ways to grow it and not just on the big scale like this but different ways to make tournaments better and there's sort of this frame around it that because we're trying to grow because that's such a big focus of everyone in racquetball that that implies that we're negative about the sport that we don't that we don't like the way it is and I just want to address that because I don't think that that is true I think I love it and the people who want it to grow love it and that is why they want it to grow so badly but it does tend to come across a bit negative at times and so that's just something I wanted to keep in mind as as we have discussions like this, because I don't want there to be this negative vibe about it. So hopefully it doesn't it doesn't come across that way. Hopefully a lot of these conversations don't come across as totally negative. I don't think they do, but I want to say that I think it's important that we celebrate the craziness and the weirdness and the awesome parts about racquetball, rather than just focus on how can we grow, how do we get better, why are things why do things suck? Uh, which is the view that many tend to come from. Great. So without further ado, uh, from my little preamble there, let's get into the fun stuff in this interview with Mike Waddell. Enjoy. Ted, serving Ted. Must run by two points. It is absolute pandemonium here. I will be the greatest player to ever play the game. Anybody who won't die for it shouldn't be, shouldn't on the be court. playing shouldn't the racket. Get that ball. Get the ball. I'm here with Mike Waddell, who is the soon-to-be executive director of USA Racquetball. They just announced that he is officially going to take on that role and he will start November 1st. Mike, thanks a ton for joining me. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Um, So why don't you, could you start by explaining just your background in racquetball? Um, I started playing racquetball in the mid 80s because of a trade out. I was working in a printing company and a club nearby us was offering to let us do their printing in exchange for memberships for all the employees. So um, with that, I went to the club to learn how to play 
actually handball and racquetball found out that racquetball was a lot more fun and didn't hurt my hands as much. So I continued playing racquetball for probably eight years and then changed jobs and moved a little bit. So racquetball wasn't available where I was. So I quit for about 10, 12 years and had the opportunity to get involved with the athletic club in Overland Park and started playing much more and have been involved in it ever since. Awesome. And then just a little bit about who you are, you know, your your work background and just in general, uh, who is Mike Waddell? Okay, cool. Um, I've owned my own businesses for about 30 years, uh, several different printing companies, bought and sold a couple of them, um, started one from scratch, built it up and then sold it uh, with the intent of getting out of that industry. Took a couple years, uh, played racquetball and decided what what I was going to do next and ended up purchasing a wood manufacturing company in Kansas. Um, had that for oh, eight years, uh, grew it up and then sold it to a, an investment group. Um, after selling that company, decided that I was going to take a little time off and found the opportunity at the athletic club. So I've my background is really mainly in, in general business. Uh, my degree is in general business um, operations. Um, I did some computer studies. So um, in, in the manufacturing plant, I converted a lot of its operations to computers in um, CAD work and those type of things. Once I sold that business, went to work at the athletic club, uh, my intent was to work just at the front desk, something that was very low stress. Uh, I was just looking for a way to... to play racquetball for free. Working at a front desk at a athletic club seemed like a really good option. Um, turned out the general manager of the club at the time looked at my resume, shook her head and said, um, you're not going to work at our front desk. Have you ever run a tournament? And I had never run a tournament in my life. I'd played in several of them and they sucked. They just were awful. They were always behind the, the food and the hospitality was terrible. So I said, uh, sure I can. I can run a tournament. So they hired me as a tournament director and the sports director at the club. Uh, since then, I've probably run 80 to 90 tournaments, racquetball, handball, squash, table tennis. And my goal was always to have it run on time and have hospitality that was just outstanding. And I think if you talk to a lot of the players that play in Kansas City, they'll probably tell you that we were fairly successful at that. So uh, after that, um, uh, worked at the club for about three years, four years, full-time, then worked for a couple of years part-time, decided that it was time to go out and get a real job. So I wanted something other than just building widgets. So I found an opportunity at the food bank in Kansas City. Uh, the organization is called Harvesters. And went there, applied for a job as the director of operations or the director of um, uh, acquisition, and they hired me. So I've been with that organization for eight years, and it's a, a really, really well-run nonprofit organization. Uh, they've got a board of directors. A lot of the, the philosophies and policies that apply there, I will move and use in USA Racquetball. Um, their successes were amazing, and we will bring a lot of those same types of successes to USA Racquetball. Um, it was a, an organization that I really struggled to leave because it was just a fantastic uh, opportunity to, to do something 
in a food bank environment that was really beneficial to a lot of people in need. Um, great organization, great people to work with, but in the end, this opportunity to help racquetball just feeds into a passion. I've learned a lot in business over my career, a lot in the nonprofit operation. Now is my opportunity to, to put it all to work and help something that I've been passionate about for many years. Yeah, that's awesome. So you are now, you haven't officially taken over as the executive director yet, but that is the role you'll be taking on. What is, what is that role? It's really the leadership of the business side of racquetball. And with that, my intention is to put a professionalism and an ethics back into racquetball that will, will run it as a business. Um, I'm not sure, I've been on the board for three plus years. I've had the opportunity to see the inside operations of, the, of USA Racquetball, the, the good, the bad, the parts that we're missing, and the parts we just fell short on. So in, in taking this opportunity, I know what I can apply to it, and I know what parts I can fix. So I'm going to apply all of the business practices that I have, all the nonprofit practices I know, to building a really solid business foundation. One of the first things we'll do is create a business plan, um, uh, a strategic plan that we can follow, uh, both myself, the board, everyone will have the same plan, and we will work that plan and apply a budget that will support it. Great. Along those lines, what, what are your plans when you first take over the role? What, what are some of the most major things you're going to do? It's kind of a long list, but uh, yeah. the, the first things we'll do is we'll, we'll establish the office, um, figure out what's the best way to, to set that up, both in um, its, its physical location and also the staff that's within it. Um, as you know, we're a little short on staff right now there. The staff we have is fantastic, but we need to add more staff to get more things accomplished. So once that's done, and that'll probably take uh, 60 days, maybe as many as 90 days, and once that's established, we will begin the process of uh, forming the budget for 2019 and then create the strategic plan for 2020 through 2023. And then that plan will then be applied directly to a budget to support all of the initiatives we have. Whatever the board puts into the strategic plan will have to be um, directly related to the budget so that we know that we can support every one of those initiatives. In the past, there were a lot of fantastic ideas. They just weren't applied to a budget through a strategic plan, so it, 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 it had the flexibility to change as different people came on the board and left the board. It doesn't make for a really good business plan that way. So we're going to apply much more of a structured business plan that will have the board and the staff uh, accountable for the initiatives that we find that we can do right now. And those initiatives, uh, just off the top of my head, will, will include things like um, national events, um, junior program growth, um, college programs, uh, all of the things that we know will help us support Rackable and grow it we need, a, we need to put that into a plan, write that plan down, create a budget that will support that plan, and then just work the plan. Make it work. Hold people accountable. 
Uh, it will create an accountability to USA Racquetball and to the board. Uh, the committees within the board, if somebody wants to help out and just feels passionate about one part of racquetball, they can join a committee, get on a committee. That's where all the work's done. You don't have to be a board member. Anybody can join a committee. If you have a skill set in fund development, teaching, juniors, whatever it is, we've got a committee that needs that help. That's great. So for those people who would be interested in helping on a committee or otherwise, how should they, how should they go about helping or what should they expect? They can, they can either contact me directly, um, call the uh, USA Racquetball office. It would be an easy way to do it. Send an email. Ultimately, we will direct those people to uh, the vice president. The board is in charge of the committees, uh, both which ones are full and have enough participation in them and those that don't, so they can inquire that way. Since currently I'm the vice president, and to take this role, I'll have to come off the board and no longer be a board member. Once they establish who the new vice president is, they will take over that role, and ultimately that person will need to be in charge of um, developing those committees. So contact the main office, and we'll make sure that they're contacted. Awesome. Yeah, and I would encourage those listening who are interested, definitely reach out uh, to Mike and to USA Racquetball to get involved if you are so inclined. So what are some of the, in terms of things that will just affect racquetball players, like on a day-to-day, how might a racquetball player's life, their racquetball life change um, with with changes that you intend to implement? So... how it is they'll see the biggest impact will probably will take a little time. Getting the business aspect of USA Racquetball back onto really solid ground will take will take some time. Uh, it's, um, t- time I'm talking about is probably somewhere three months, maybe as much as six. And we will be doing work all of that time beyond just the business side of it. We'll do growth activities. Um, Dan Whitley, the president of the board, uh, right after January 1st, is going to really delve into his junior program that they have in St. Louis, um, finish packaging that up so that we can distribute that out to other states, make it available. Uh, I think that'll be one of the quick things people will see is that they'll notice a lot more activity in in junior racquetball being available, um, promoted, sent out through all of the channels we have, whether it's the website, um, the magazine, everything we can do we're going to push this out it's an amazing program i mean you know that st louis has one of the best junior programs in the country uh five six hundred high school students playing in the league i mean that's amazing they can't duplicate that without some without learning how they did that i mean other cities and states have tried that um not quite had that success so dan's going to put that together and we're going to package it up put it into a box and get it out to everybody so I think that's one of the first things they'll probably see. Other than that, a lot of the, the things that are, the players typically attend, the national events, um, we're going to work to make sure that those are as good as they can possibly be. Um, we've had some real good successes over the last few years in um, both promoting them in locations, um, uh, promotions and uh, amenities within the tournaments. So we're going to keep doing that, make sure that those are a success, um, make sure that that continues to grow. Um, anything that anybody has to suggest or offer that is realistic and affordable, we're going to do. That's awesome. 
One question I had, so I'm actually, I did an interview with Doug Gannam um, yesterday, and we're doing both these uh, while at the U.S. Open, which is great. I wonder, so he kind of had what seems to be a reverse view of what some people, and it seems um, you had, where rather than kind of growing things from the bottom up, in other words, making the junior programs and collegiate programs better, his view was bolster the from the top down, so make the pro game better, and then because of that, people view it as really cool, and then there's all this demand, you know, rather than kind of begging juniors to play, they're just going to want to play because it looks so cool, um, the, the big pro game looks so cool if you get it out in front of enough people. Where, where do you stand on that, growing from the bottom up versus the top down? Do you, do you have a viewpoint on that? I do. They're actually somewhat the same. USA Racquetball, uh, the IRT and the LPRT are private entities. We don't own them. We don't control them. They're their own business. Um, they're, they run what they do. And we support them in absolutely every way we can. Because like any sport, um, the, the pro athletes are the rock stars of the of the industry. So we absolutely support that, but we don't, it's a private business. USA Racquetball doesn't control that. So with all the support we can give them and promote them, we're going to do, we're going to promote them on the websites, the magazines, uh, social media, everything we can do. But our side of the business and our responsibility to Racquetball is kind of the other side of that. They do their business and run their, their pro tours successfully. We have to do the other side of it and ju- grow the junior side of it so that when, they, when the juniors get excited and, and see that the pros are exciting and they watch the game and say, well, I've got to do that. How do I do this? We have to be there to answer that question. This is how you do it. We can, we can provide you with equipment. We can give you training. We, can, we grow the excitement from the, the juniors up where the tours are their responsibility and their, their, their job is to grow the excitement from the top down. So it really is, it's a tandem operation, but they're all separate businesses. And even though we're all after kind of the same thing, and we want to grow racquetball because we grow racquetball, it supports the tours. The tours make more money. They can do more things. They can pay the prize money. All of the great things that they can do, somebody's got to support the, the juniors to get it going up. And the amateurs. Um, USA Racquetball is responsible for the amateur side of this whole equation. So we have to do a better job of, of utilizing those tours and the great work that they do and the phenomenal athletes that are playing on it, and how do we utilize that to excite you know, high school students and uh, grade school students to want to get better and ultimately enter into a college that has a, a racquetball program and then feed right into the, the pro tours. That's our responsibility. Those are the things we've got to answer those questions and be successful at, at growing that aspect of the sport. So what, what Doug's saying is absolutely right, that the, from his prospect you, at, here at the U.S. Open, the, the big bang is in the, the stadium court. It's the excitement, and that's what grows, and that's what a lot of people come here to watch. But with that excitement, somebody's got to support the kids. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. And the amateurs, we, that, that's, our, that's our part of the equation. So along those lines, there are multiple entities. There's the U.S. AR, there's IRT, there's LPRT, and there are more on top of that. Um, WRT, IRF, I, I'm sure there are more acronyms <laughs> that I can't even think of right now. But 
Do you, it seems that things that the organizations have been working together um, more so lately, do you sort of have plans or is it already happening that the organizations will be communicating and working together more uh, or, or yeah, is that something you're planning for? Absolutely, and it's a great question. And Dan and I both have met either together or separate with all of those organizations, the IRT, the LPRT, um, and, and all of the other acronyms you mentioned. We've spent a lot of time this week meeting with those organizations so that we're able to, to convey to them our hope and intent to create more of a unified approach so that we're sharing resources. We have to share the publications, the, the publicity, um, all of the aspects that each organization brings to the table USA Racquetball needs to be the conduit to, to bring together the best of each of those. Each of them have their own identity and what they need to do. They all have an agenda that they're after to promote, whether it's um, women's pro or men's pro or the senior tours or wh whatever that aspect is. They all are f wonderful organizations, and we've had tremendous success working with them. But th the aspect that we want to bring to bring to bear with a better approach is how do we utilize all of their best parts to make sure that USA Racquetball is promoting and benefiting each of those through the ranks of the amateurs. Because they, 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 they all involve the amateurs in one way or another, whether it's through entertainment or promotion of the game or just competition. We want to make sure that we take whatever that part is and we're not missing any parts of it. Uh, they all bring something really vital. It's our job to figure out how to best package that up, bring it to, uh, I'm going to go back to the juniors again. How do we bring it to the juniors to make sure that they get a, um, an impactful experience when they watch, whether it's the pros or the seniors or whatever it is, because the, the, the juniors talk to their parents, the parents are dealing with the juniors, and they all have to get involved in the sport somehow, indoor, outdoor, whatever it is. We want to make sure that we're tying all that together. So I'm not sure that it really is a different plan, but I want to tighten it up and make sure we're, we're actually getting the most bang for our buck in it. Um, we've, we've somewhat titled it a unity program, um, and we want to make sure that everybody, that we're promoting their brand and they're promoting the USA Racquetball brand. That's great. What are some of the biggest challenges facing US, USA Racquetball? Probably the biggest challenge that, that I see, and like I say, being on the board for three plus years, I've, I've run across several of them, is probably the, the perception of USA Racquetball and the value that they per, that's perceived for the membership for USA Racquetball. Um, you know, it, it, the membership cost is like 50 bucks a year. Okay, a lot of sports, the cost for their membership is much more than that, and I think the, the, the problem we've caused or created so far is we've not proven enough value for that $50. And $50 is a lot of money when you look at you've got no value for it. If you look at it the other way, the value that we have to offer for that $50 membership and what, what those members are supporting is so broad in the, the junior programs, the, the, the U.S. teams traveling, um, all of the aspects that we can bring together is just, it's amazing that we can do all that for a $50 membership. So... Uh, our job in USA Racquetball, what we need to do is, is we need to brand what we're doing better, explain and be more, much more transparent in what we do as an organization so that the membership can see what their, what their support gains 
for the sport of racquetball. It, and it will be different for each member in what their value might be for that membership. Some of them, it's just I, I, get, a, uh, I, get, I get to play in tournaments that are sanctioned, and I get some benefit for some insurance for doing so. Others, it may be that they're all about the junior programs that we put together. Someone else may have an entirely different view on it that they really want to see the players with the uniform of USA put onto it competing on a national level. How do we make those players better and compete at a higher level? That's, that may be their trigger. So whatever the, whatever the value proposition is for that particular member, we've got to make sure we're telling them how, that, that we show the successes and we celebrate the wins of how we're building USA Racquetball and growing the sport of racquetball. Ultimately, that's what that membership does is it builds, a, an, it supports the organization that pulls everything together and helps to grow racquetball. And we just need to do a better job of that. Yeah. One thing you mentioned was transparency. And I think that that's something that uh, people have brought up in the past that they wish USA Racquetball were more transparent. Do you have any specific plans for addressing that concern? A couple different things. One of them is this exact medium. I think the podcast is a fantastic way that it will give board members, um, staff members, the, the, the key people that can convey what USA Racquetball is doing, a medium to go out and talk to people. It's nice if you put it in an article and write it down and put it in you know, social media or something, your, your readership is probably less than if you've got an opportunity to sit down and listen to this while you're driving to work or whatever's convenient for the people that are listening to it. It's a more interactive way to get better information. Um, so I think this is a great medium for doing it. Um, we're definitely going to have a lot more activity within social media. A lot of the content that goes on in the board meetings is going to become much more public. We've talked about it in uh, the board meeting here at the U.S. Open and the last couple board meetings trying to figure out what's the best way to tell everybody exactly what's going on. Um, and I think we will find a lot of different ways to do that since there's been a light shone, shown on the fact that we're not, we're not transparent enough. We need to celebrate the wins so people understand what it is that's going on and how their dollars and how their membership supports USA Racquetball. Yeah, great. So from all your years in racquetball, do you have a favorite story? Probably the, the story would be when I first, my first exposure to racquetball. Uh, I mentioned before that it was a trade-out with a printing company that I had at the time. And um, when I first went to the club, they told me that they had a pro at the facility that would give me a free handball lesson and a free racquetball lesson. So I said, sure, we'll do handball first because the handball pro would happen to be at the club. So I go in and I spend probably an hour or whatever it was um, on the on the court with a handball guy, and it didn't take long, and my hands hurt, um, and the ball was kind of slow. And it, when this happened, I was 25 or 26 years old, um, so I started playing kind of late. And I thought, okay, well, this isn't really a whole lot of fun. So he, the same pro told me that he would give me a racquetball lesson the next day if I wanted to come back. So I said, sure, let's, we'll give that a shot. Wasn't real enthusiastic about it, but I thought, sure, we'll give this. And the, the club that I was at was a, it had like 10 courts, and they were all balcony view. So it really was 
to me, you were walking into this box that had this little hole at the top of it, and it was kind of an odd concept for somebody that would never been on a racquetball court before. So the next day I go in for the racquetball tournament, and the guy gives me the racket and the glasses and the ball, and then we go into the court, and he starts telling me how similar the sports were. But, you know, the first time, couple of times this guy hit the ball, it just banged. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is cool. This is something exciting. We're Nothing against handball. I, I, I like the sport, but it just was dynamic. Uh, this is cool. This is fast. And coming from an athletic background, you know, high school, I played all the sports and competed on in a high school level, that this is cool. This bangs. This is fast. So we got to going and playing. And about halfway through the lesson, I look up in the, over the balcony view. There was, I don't know, seven or eight people watching. The day before at the handball, there was nobody up there. And I thought, oh, looky there. People dig this. This is cool. <laughs> so it just convinced me that, all right, racquetball is cool. I'm playing racquetball. So I took a couple more lessons from him. And I don't know, the third, fourth lesson, whatever it was, uh, I thought I was figured it out and I was pretty good. And I hit the instructor in the middle of the back and he never gave me another two lessons. So I was on my own. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, if somebody wants to, what, what advice would you give to somebody who really wants to help racquetball and help grow the sport as much as they can? Um, there's a couple different things they can do. If they want to get involved on a, on a national level, like I mentioned, volunteer and get on a committee. There's so much work to be done on the committees uh, that that's always a great way to apply whatever skill set you have. The other way is if you, if if you want to help out within your club, um, racquetball will only grow in a, in a, a grassroots or a club level. USA Racquetball can do all kinds of wonderful things, creating programming, sending programming out, all of those type of things. But if the people in the club, it, it, you'll look at every successful program there is across the country, and there's always somebody or some group of people that are leading that charge. Um, it's inevitable that that's the way it works. So in your club, have a a racquetball play day or do something on a Saturday where you get seven or eight people together and you all agree to bring one person that doesn't play. And if you got seven or eight people that agree to bring them, probably three of them will actually do it. But you got three new people to play. Teach them how to play the game and and help them play with people their own skill set, their own skill level. I've taught, gave lessons at the athletic club for years, and one of the the worst things they can do is the the wife of a husband that plays really well comes in and wants to learn how to play so she can play with her husband. She's not going to enjoy that a whole lot because it, or he's not because he's going to have to play down. She needs to find somebody, get into a league, and play other people that are your same level. You're competitive. You'll work up. You'll sweat, and you have a great time doing it. So, invite somebody to play. And then find other people the same level and convince them to play those people. Don't go play your husband and wife and get your butt kicked all the time or you're just not really going to have any fun at it. Yeah, I love it. So I want to be respectful of your time. And selfishly, uh, I think we both actually want to see the men's doubles final, which is starting soon. And last year that was epic. Yeah. Um, So without, uh, you know, making this interview too long. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Now, probably the last thing I said about getting somebody else on a court. 
invite somebody to play. We're, we're actively recruiting and working with outdoor racquetball. If, if the challenge for getting somebody to play is that they don't belong to the club or they can't afford to belong to the club, take them to an outside court. Go outside and play. Uh, the junior college near where I worked had like six outdoor courts at one time. And it was a, when I was working, I, I couldn't, before we got the trade out deal, I couldn't afford to join a club. So we'd go over there and bang around a little bit. And it was a lot of fun to learn how to do. So if you, if you can't go to a club, if you can go into an indoor court, go in and play, great, fantastic. If not, go outside, learn the outside game, fantastic exercise. And you get to be outside. So uh, if, if, if there's one thing that you could get someone to do, Volunteer for a tournament. Help help the tournament director. Um, every tournament director will tell you that they need help. They do. It's a tough job to do. So to make it more, to make it less stressful, volunteer. If he's got a couple people he can count on, it makes the tournaments run better. Other than that, uh, get somebody to go play. Um, adult, junior, uh, whatever. Teach them the game. Um, help them understand how to do it safely. If you need help doing that. There's all kinds of resources to help you get that that um, skill set to do that. I love it, man. Yeah, yep. thanks so much for coming on. Congrats on the executive director position, and I'm excited for for you and for everything with USA Racquetball. All right, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 17 of the Racquetball Show podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at dylan at racquetballshow.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at racquetballshow.com. And again, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. All right. Have a good day.